Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft, and this is a show that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, not just because I love Northern Row and I love Brendan, but uh, I'm a lager beer nut job, like more so than any uh, living person should be. And for a long time, I'm probably getting way ahead of myself here. For a long time, uh, lager beer was not getting its due here in Cincinnati for a lot of different reasons. And uh, this is one of those breweries that is uh, busting their butts to give it its due. Um, and and that's that's a big reason why we're here this week. It's uh, When you're listening to this, Lager Fest is coming up this weekend. Um, so that's, that's kind of why we're doing this show, but it's also been way too long since we've been here. Um, uh, so that's also why we're here. <laughs> Brendan, welcome back to the show. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, Northern Row. Yeah. Great uh, to see you, man. Glad uh, you're here. The last time that uh, we sat down here to do a show was uh, 2020. Is that right? Yeah. It was like... I we, checked yesterday. Actually, we, yeah. I think I, didn't, I should I should have listened to the show. I think when we listened to it, we thought we were on our way out of COVID. We thought that the world was returning to normal. It, yeah, <laughs> like, you're right. We didn't know what we still had in front of us. There but, w- yeah, there was some naive optimism <laughs> within that podcast. Um, but uh, getting the doors open to this place had been a long time coming at that point. And uh, I think that was kind of a big focus of what that episode was, was just getting this place open and kind of how it fit into what was happening uh, in Cincinnati at the time. And um, since then, a lot has happened uh, in not just Cincinnati, but in in, in craft beer. And I think that uh, it's a perfect time to sit down with you guys again and talk about Northern Rome, what what this place is about. Um, But it's a beer podcast. We need to drink a beer first. From the beer um, that's that's kind of why you do beer podcasts is drink beer. No doubt. <laughs> uh, we're drinking Hellas, yeah. which is fitting, of course, because um, it's a lager show also. Um, tell me a little bit about this beer um, before we kind of dive into everything else. Sure. So we're drinking Hustler. It's our Hellas lager. It's our flagship. It's our bestseller. It's my favorite beer. Um, Hellas as a style originates from Munich. It's German beer, obviously, <laughs> lager, all malt, of course, and noble hops. So uh, it's light, crisp, easy to drink, but still retains some depth, some character. It is a close relative of a Pilsner for people that kind of um, want to get a little nerdy about it. The way I always describe it to people on um, the German, the light German lager side of things, you've got Pilsner and you've got Hellas, and they are uh, almost the same thing, except... Pilsner kind of leans a little bit towards hops. Hellas leans a little bit towards malt. And it is negligible. Yeah. <laughs> it is there very closely related. But yeah. when you try a great Hellas, which this is a great Hellas, uh, you do get some more of that crackery, bready kind of uh, character, whereas hops, you'll get a little more of that uh, uh, floral, uh, and sometimes a little bit of dirt from the noble hops. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's, uh, um, I am a huge Hellas fan, a huge fan of this beer. I can't tell you how good it makes me feel seeing a Hellas lager around town uh, that is marketed as a Hellas lager. Yeah. Um, too often nowadays, if I can get on a soapbox for a little bit, uh, too often people are leaning more into just calling things uh, lager or light lager or something like that because it's a little more marketable. People right. understand it better instead of owning it and trying to teach people about a beer style that. Uh, has lost a lot of what it actually is supposed to stand for. 
Yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> totally. Well, I'm glad you appreciate that. We ourselves and I know thousands of breweries across the country talk about that same consideration. Right. How, how do we market this beer? Um, we are just diving headfirst in, into Hellas and into lager in particular, but, um, yeah, you know, there's some work to be done. There's a little more front end work to be done when you, when you call it Hellas and you expect, you know, half the beer drinkers or more to not know what that means or right. the context of the style. It's not scary, I promise, right? Like, <laughs> um, but generally, I think beer drinkers will be dissuaded from choosing a beer if they don't know the style. So we, we deal with that, but we're playing the long game. And part of what we want to do is help educate beer drinkers um, on beer in general, but some of these traditional German styles in particular. Do you think beer drinkers are... Uh, better off in that regard now than they were, uh, we'll say five years ago, that they're more apt to kind of understand some of those styles or I've heard some people say that they think it's kind of gone downhill a little bit. People are kind of leaning back into um, even some macro beer just because they're kind of tired of the, the nerdiness of craft beer. Um, and I know you guys haven't been open long enough to really see some of that evolution and kind of get a good idea of um, the, the, the path of drinkers. But what has your experience been with people and their willingness to kind of dive into some of those German yeah. beer styles or other beer styles? No, I think I think there's improvement for sure. And, it you know, every market has different levels of competency. So, you know, Cincinnatians will have a different level of education and competency than, you know, the Denver beer market. Sure. But I would say overall, nationally, I think, I think we're definitely moving the needle. Um, you know, how long ago would it be? You know, Mad Tree used to have Kolsch, right? Right. Lift. And I know talking with some of those guys, they went back and forth. Do we call it Kolsch? Like we get pushback on that. People don't know what it is. What do we call it? Um, and they released that beer, I think from the beginning, 2013 or whenever yeah. it was they opened. Um, I'm sure things are way different. I'm, I can almost guarantee we sell Kolsch. I know Sonder sells Kolsch and sell it well in volume. So I think just as that, as that style, as an example, well, I think there's definitely improvement. Mad Tree is a great example too on, on the other side of things, uh, not to take a dig at Mad Tree. I think that they can, they can handle the criticism, but, um, you know, for so long they were, they were marketing a Kolsch and putting the Kolsch out there as this flagship light beer and trying to kind of push that education side. Now their light flagship is just called an American lager. <laughs> and I, I think that's a Hellas too, honestly. I mean, I really would have to ask yeah. one of the brewers there, but it tastes like a Hellas to me, but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I tasted that beer the other day. It was nice. Uh, yeah, maybe it is a Hellas. I'm not sure. Or if it's American lager. Um, I, I wasn't critiquing it. I was just right. drinking it, and it <laughs> drank pretty good. What's that like? Is it just drink to drink? <laughs> yeah. It's been a long Dude, time. Sometimes you got to turn it <laughs> that's, off, that's right? True. That's and true. Just, and just drink. Um, yeah, you know, something <clears throat> interesting. They're a bigger brand. Northern Row we're smaller we're continuing to to define ourselves right so mad trees in multiple markets kind of playing a different game than us so i'm sure it was a marketing decision for them you know let's assume legendary lager is a hellas um i'm sure they had that conversation 
right? Like, what do <laughs> oh, we yeah. call it? Do we do we list this as Hellas, or do we say you know light lager? Uh, who was I talking? I was talking to somebody just recently about that. About and I think oh it was a private conversation. Never mind. That I was talking to a a, a person from a brewery um, about kind of marketing a Hellas lager as a Hellas lager versus just lager or American yeah. lager and yeah. Uh, I, I can't fault anybody for kind of uh, for doing it a different way because at the end of the day you are trying to balance that meeting what your customers want and what your customers are, are, are telling you they want versus trying to push them towards something else. And if, if all of your customers are like, man, I, hate, I don't understand Hellas. I don't want Hellas. Then changing the name might make sense. But I also struggle with it because that's kind of what craft beer always was, was that that process. Yeah. Of here's here's who we are. Here's what we do. Um, come along for that journey with us, and we'll kind of we'll we'll show you the, what we're doing. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But yeah. um, and I think we're we're kind of or we have been kind of losing a piece of that as a as a beer community. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, I I think you could be right for sure. Um, I hesitate to say whether one approach is right and one approach is right. wrong. We have our own here at Northern Row and believe in it and stick by it. But um, yeah, I think it's an important consideration. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if we, let's jump into Lagerfest right off the bat so yeah. we can we can talk to uh, talk about that and let people know kind of what's going on. Um, loggers are a huge part of the personality of Northern Row. If you guys haven't picked up on that yet, <laughs> um, it's a huge part of the personality of Cincinnati too. Yeah, something that I think uh, we 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 talk about a lot in the city, but I don't think people really get it. I mean, underneath of. Uh, I'm not going to say all of these buildings, but a huge chunk of these buildings, there is at least a piece of some kind of loggering tunnel. The the hills at the top of OTR are you know littered with tunnels, um, all under the street. They're everywhere, and that was because Cincinnati was built on logger beer in a lot of different ways. Um, and yet, uh, there came a time where there weren't really any logger beers being made. Totally, <laughs> even fairly recently, yeah, there were not a lot of logger beers being made. Um, you guys, uh, a while back, uh, when did this discussion first start happening to throw a lager fest? Um, honestly, from the beginning, I don't know if we should ascribe any credit to one person. Um, and we, I'm not sure we could figure that out, actually, because it's been part of discussion really from the beginning. Right. Um, and we, we actually made an announcement in 2020 and like we mentioned earlier, we were all probably a little too optimistic right. <laughs> uh, in our last podcast, June of 2020, and weren't able to execute on it for a number of reasons. We don't have to go over. Everyone knows what happened in right. 2020. Um, and so we kind of put our foot down this year and said, we're, we're going to do this. It's important to us. Um, so just started diving in. We backed ourselves uh, in a corner and, and <laughs> chose a date and started working on it. Um, and now we're, now we're close and getting excited about it. Uh, if you could explain just kind of in your words, like the actual, like, what is the, why, like, why, yeah. why go this hard on something that uh, is a style of beer that everybody has had 
everybody's had it. The, the most popular beer in the world is a lager, yeah. technically. Yeah. Um, why why go all in on it as as a a, a, a small craft brewery? I mean, you, you walk in this place, you don't feel like it's small, but in the grand scheme of things, this is tiny compared yeah. to what is happening. For sure. Well, from from the start, lager was important to um, Northern Rose Brewers and the foundational people, um, including ownership, who who launched the project here. Um, so, yeah, A, we love lager. Um, our production team, Josh and Justin, love brewing it and love drinking it. So it started there. Um, also, I have to mention too, and I'm sure this applies to you, um, you take any passionate craft beer drinker, they kind of follow, there's like this pendulum motion of what they care about and what they drink, or kind of this, uh, a drinker's arc, so right. to speak. And I think this applies in general to American craft beer drinkers as well. You're kind of captivated and enthralled by big, bold flavors. IPA, obviously. And it's important to note, I still love IPA and I still drink (laughs) IPA. But early on when I started diving in into this space, um, I thought loggers were boring. Right. (laughs) And uh, back then there's a good chance, you know, some of these American craft breweries, maybe they weren't doing a good job with them. I I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't um, that into lager. I want, I wanted IPA, um, or a pale ale or maybe something big and boozy, something that was bold and aggressive. And, and that makes a lot of sense because the context for America was, uh, you know, homogenous domestic American lager. Right. Um, so anything that, you know, stone IPA was my first IPA and it just, hit me in the face it was also it's it's a culture thing too the united states in general uh we're a little uh bigger and 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 harsher and uh bolder and louder and 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 you know than than everything else because that's you know we're 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 the young ones you know that's as as country and so that's kind of how we had to kind of uh put our mark on things and that translated into beer too yeah absolutely (laughs) so to kind of wrap all that up um i think craft beer drinkers, if they stick with it, they end up learning more, their palates get um, a little more in tune, and they inevitably end up learning about lager, or a a term I've used, the virtue of lager. Um, And they come back to it. And maybe they're a brewer, or maybe they know a brewer, or maybe they work in the industry, and they're like, wait a second, no, these beers are awesome, and they're not boring. And actually, lager is a diverse category, and it's not all yellow, fizzy beer. Sure, there, there are some bold lagers yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, so that's a long way of saying, um, you know, our obsession with lager just started from the beginning. It was always something we wanted to brew. It was always something we wanted to drink. Um, and then from there, beyond that, uh, we thought there was room in this market to um, introduce Cincinnati craft beer drinkers to the diversity of lager and in craft craft lager in particular. Um, yeah. So we've all just, that was kind of our foundation. Well, I mean, and, and I think that the diversity is something that, um, even 
you know, now, like in my head, I feel like craft beer drinkers know more about beer than ever before. And the average craft beer drinker is pretty well versed in different beer styles, but there is still like this misunderstanding that lager is, uh, it's light and it's fizzy and it's yellow and that's it. Right. And there is such a huge world beyond that, um, that are still loggers yeah. that, uh, I, I, I wish people were uh, more exposed to. I mean, I'm a huge Schwarzbier fan, huge Schwarzbier fan. And it's it's one of those styles that I think is always fun to kind of uh, showcase that to people. You know, it's it's still kind of light and, and crisp and easy drinking, but it's dark and it's got some of these roasty flavor. It's fun. Absolutely. And I, I think it's one of those things that like uh, when you get somebody that thinks that they know what a lager is and they try something like that and you see that light bulb go off and that excitement and like, that's the kind of stuff that um, early days of craft beer for a lot of people that uh, those experiences sitting down at a bar and trying something for the first time and be like, oh, my God, what is that? How mm-hmm. how is this in a glass? Like, how does how does this thing exist? And right. um, I think we've lost that <laughs> over, the, over the years. Everybody kind of uh, an IPA is an IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, there's good ones and there's bad ones, but an IPA is an IPA, yeah. <laughs> you know, whereas um, there is such a world out there of other things that uh, I, I just I want more people to be exposed to. Yep. And I'm glad you guys are carrying that flag and, and doing doing it in a way that uh, feels very genuine. You, Good. you you walk into this brewery and you expect there to be lager. Sure. <laughs> you know, if you if I walked in and all it was was, you know, IPAs and pastry stouts, I think I'd be a little pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, you know, this is a historical brewery building. This was uh, Christian Moorline ice house uh who knows what else it was used for but i mean um it is uh, it, it was built on lager beer yep and so it makes sense that it would be served here yeah honestly and we i definitely want to dive into cincinnati history because it's important to us um but i think if we take the same people who who built northern row and work here and we put it um somewhere else we'd probably still be brewing lager it's just it's just coincidental and, and maybe apropos that Cincinnati has this long legacy of lager. Um, That's an interesting thought, though. Like, do you think that the same group of people in the same way would have been attracted to things in the, in the way that... Cause yeah, I, I mean, my only point of saying that is it wasn't like some really calculated... You're not being forced to make yeah, lager It beer. wasn't some calculated <laughs> decision. We weren't just like sitting around a table and we're like, you know, there's really room for a good lager brewery in Cincinnati. It wasn't, it wasn't just a cold calculated decision for us to go down that road. Um, it was easy for us because we care about lager. Our production team likes brewing it and we all like drinking it and we like sharing it with people. It just bolsters our brand and makes sense that, yeah, we're in the, we're in the Christian Moore, original Christian Moorline structure built in 1895. Um, they fermented lager on the second and third floor and they conditioned it in, in the basement, which is about 30 feet deep here at, here at Northern row. Um, and then as you've mentioned, um, and I'm sure you, you probably actually, I know quite a bit of Cincinnati brewing history, but you might rival, rival my education. So I don't have to tell it to you, but for those listening who don't know, um, Cincinnati was built on lager. And in fact, a lot of Cincinnatians, some of this history was literally forgotten. Um, here in OTR, there's more intact pre-prohibition lager, or I'm sorry, brewing structures than anywhere else in the country. 
all of them made lager beer. I, I, I think in tunnel-wise, the lagering tunnels, there's more here than anywhere else in the world as far as my understanding, intact yeah. tunnels. It's, yeah. like, it, there is something happening here that, um, and in a lot of ways, was forgotten for a really long time. You know, yeah. when, when people started stumbling on some of these old tunnels and stuff, I think it kind of lit the fire under a small group of people to, to kind of uh, showcase that. But... Um, for a long time, nobody remembered that they were there. Nobody knew that they were there. Nobody cared about it. You yeah. know, some of these buildings uh, were, were definitely at risk of just being wiped out and, and just, you know, a, 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 something new put in its place because nobody understood what that meant to um, the, the beer culture, not just of the city, but of, of the country. You know, like, when you're talking about early days of lager beer in the United States, there were a few cities that were the hub of that. Um, and Cincinnati was one of those cities and I'm not, not to take away from, you know, the St. Louis's or the Milwaukee or, you know, whatever, but, uh, Cincinnati was a huge part of that. It was a big hub of, uh, German immigration and, and uh, with that comes what they were drinking and that was lager at the time. Yeah. And, um, Despite all the hoops they had to jump through to be able to execute it. Well, and yeah. I, I, I'm fascinated by that too. And I, like, I'm pretty sure that the lager beer that was being made in Cincinnati at, at that time was probably not the greatest beer in the world, <laughs> you know, because it was your, not only was it a, a, a fairly new thing, um, you're trying to then smuggle yeast over into the country to get it from breweries that did not want you to have it. Right. You're trying to then figure out how to make it uh, in, a, in a, a little bit different climate in a city um, without refrigeration, which if anybody knows about lager beer, you need refrigeration to make lager beer. Um, I, I would be curious to actually try one of those. Beers. Oh, I definitely would. <laughs> and it w there was no stainless steel. It was all oak. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of the tunnels, I'm sure you've seen, they have a examples, a segment from an old uh, piping. Yeah. And it was all oak. Yeah. Which is bizarre. I didn't know you could make pipes out of <laughs> out of oak, but... Uh, I certainly would be interested to try one of those beers. And that's the kind of stuff. Like, it doesn't make sense to do that. It does not make sense to uh, try to replicate a historical style. To None of that is, like, the, the, the smart way to make a beer. But it's also, it is the fun way to make a beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's the thing that kind of gets you on these other kind of tangents of uh, uh, beer exploration or uh, drink exploration. Um that's a big part of craft beer. And I, I, to me, that's what I would emphasize on the show is that that um, beer doesn't have to be about uh, efficiency or um, the most cost-effective way to make something or uh, the thing that necessarily sells the best. It's about doing something that's exciting, doing something that makes you feel good, um, doing something that's fun. And to me, you guys are hitting that right on the head here. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, it's it's good stuff. I um, uh, so going going back to Lagerfest, we got distracted again. Uh, so it, it's when you are listening to this, if you listen to the show when it when it drops, if you're listening to this a couple weeks afterwards or months afterwards, whatever. I'm sorry, you you missed it this year. Uh, make sure you're following social media for whatever next year's uh, festival holds. But um, next weekend, uh, so what is that? June? What is the date? June 11th. June 11th. 
um, here at Northern Row. Um, you can still get tickets. I assume you can probably show up the day of and still get tickets to come in and, and, and take part in Loggerfest. Yeah, I think so. We'll um, playing that by ear, but most likely, yeah. Uh, tickets are, uh, they were they were discounted. Uh, there was some some hubbub, and I, I, I heard a little bit of uh, feedback from people yeah. about it, too. Not that I have anything to do with it, but <laughs> um, about the cost originally. Um, tickets are, what, 55 now? 55, yeah. Um, and that includes, um, I, I can read it here if you I, have I got you, yeah. So it'll your, your ticket will include um, beer tasting tickets. So you'll get ten tasting tickets, which are like four to five ounce pours. You'll get three half pint tickets because I'm a firm believer in actually drinking more than five ounces of a beer before, especially lager. Like yeah. to me that's a big part of lager. Totally. It's 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 supposed to be consumed in larger quantities than some of the other yeah. things. So ideally, you get those ten taster tickets. Um, try the different range of lagers we've brought in and then your favorite three you can you can drink a half pint of um, you'll get an official little taster glass and then really kind of the crux of the event or kind of the the glue of the event is a guided tour of one of the surrounding lager tunnels which we've been talking about here in OTR there's there's a couple at at our disposal um, there's the Jackson which is right across the street. And then there's the link tunnel on race. They're all very close. So, um, yeah, part of the experience is actually the history of not just Cincinnati, but, but lager beer in general. The link tunnel is also, uh, missing link for anybody who, uh, when you're listening to this, you just missed it. It was this weekend, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, that is the, uh, the tunnel that actually has a fermentation vessel, intact in there which is something that uh, none of the other tunnels that we've found so far have um and shouldn't exist right <laughs> so there's you know the it's cool stuff like it is really really cool stuff that is um just right below your feet and if you've never taken one of those tours where you get to go in there and see that that first time that you get to experience that it really does kind of uh, uh ignite some kind of uh, passion and some kind of excitement for uh, Cincinnati beer history. Like you just, you, you just don't, you don't get like a good grasp of that until you yeah. step foot in some of those places or, you know, in a, in a building like this and you start to see the, uh, you know, the history that is, that is here. Um, it's kind of the same way. Like it just, it, it makes you excited about this thing that used to exist that uh, died out. And you know, I mean, it never really died out. There were places that were constantly trying to keep it alive but you know shout out to sam adams for, <laughs> for keeping it alive in the city but Most definitely. um uh, it, it it was forgotten about and um I, I i am more grateful than i can explain to places like northern row or like rangeist or you know places that are kind of keeping a piece of that uh, alive somehow in, in the best way possible but yep uh, so beers that are going to be available at the festival there's a whole bunch. I'm not going to list them all, but uh, Ryan Geist will be here. Uh, Nine Giant will be here. High Grain, Sonder, Rebel Metal, Narrow Path, 16 Lots, and of course, Northern Row. Um, did I miss any there? No, nope, you nailed up to date? it. Um, and there's some really good stuff there. Yeah. Um, that uh, uh, The Smoked Lavender Hellas from Ryan Geist is yep. killer. Yeah, <laughs> it's it pretty such awesome. a good beer. And one of those beers that just, you know, you're not going to find that just hanging out on tap at Ryan guys. No. <laughs> like uh, there, there, there are some places and, and they're a great example of it that um, 
have enough kind of uh, wiggle room or leeway to, to play around with stuff yep. that they can crank out these beers that are really exciting things from a uh, from from a beer making perspective that uh, uh, are just done for the fun of it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and the passion, right, and the interest. Yeah, it's um it's gonna be a good festival. Uh, I wish that I was here, but. My family decided they had to take a vacation that not uh, not only stretches over missing Link Fest, but also Logger Fest. Like, I, I don't know how many times I can tell my wife to never schedule things during a beer event. But every time she schedules something, it always seems to hit on, on some kind of beer event. There's um, always next year, I suppose. There is. It's going to go. Uh, I'm going to block out the entire summer and just say no vacations yeah. <laughs> until we get a date. Right. Um, yeah. What is it that, uh, uh, for for you, kind of for you personally, what is it that makes um, that makes logger exciting? Because I, I I've had trouble kind of explaining that to people that that ask me about it of of why I don't know if it's the the balance of it, the I hate calling something drinkability because it doesn't tell you anything about it, but the, the drinkability of it, the uh, the camaraderie of sitting around with a big giant. I mean, we've all been to, you know, German beer gardens or quasi German beer gardens. We'll call them uh, where, you know, you get a big liter of beer and you're sitting there and you're, you know, just that, that revelry of just, just drinking copious amounts of lager. <laughs> yeah. What is it that, that makes this style kind of uh, resonate with you? Yeah. Well, it's a lot of things. We, we've, we've danced around a few of them already. I mean, um, you and actually to tie this into Lagerfest, kind of our thesis, our approach is lager generally is misunderstood and, and underappreciated. And as I mentioned earlier, that was that was true of me, you know, maybe man, I don't know, um, six, seven, eight years ago. Was uh, there a defining moment where that changed? Yeah, I worked for a brewery in Boulder, Colorado, and there was this guy, Andy. He and I were just at that point in time, just uh servers and bartenders who were hungry to learn and, and, and grow with the company. Um, and at that point I was trying to learn everything I could. And Andy was a home brewer and, uh, taught me a lot. And I'll never forget at one point I was like, yeah, man, I don't really like lagers. And he's like, dude, <laughs> come on. They're, they're awesome. And I was like, well, Andy, what's the difference between ale and lager? And he walked me through it, and probably five days later, I asked him again. It's one of those things you just need iterations, right, to retain right. To, to retain information. Um, so that's a defining moment for sure. And we did some homebrews together, and I learned a lot there. So learned the difference between ale and lager, which is, of course, the yeast strains and some processes like um, cold conditioning and cold fermentation. Um, but then, you know... So that was cool. That was kind of the context for me, right? Like you don't know what you don't know. And part of craft beer is discovery. Um, and part of the reason I've stayed engaged and passionate about it is I learn new things every work week. Um, whether I'm talking to our brewers or, you know, maybe the guys at Sonder or um, industry people or even drinkers getting new perspectives. Um, but what I love about Lager is, A, it's more diverse than, than people think. We've touched on that. So at Lagerfest, we'll have things as light as like Hellas Lager, 
And then we'll kind of move through the spectrum to multi-styles, maybe like our Meriton or 16 lots Bach beer. Um, we'll have ones that lean a little more hoppy, maybe like our German Pilsner or Nine Giants bringing like a contemporary lager. Um, and then we're going to move up to big, bold, boozy lagers like Barrel-Aged Shores Beer, um, Doppelbox, um, Imperial Vienna Lager, which is interesting. <laughs> That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it is now. Le- leave it up to Americans to, to do that. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, we'll use Hustler here as an example, our Hellas Lager. Um, I think part of it was understanding. So figure out, wrap your mind around what lager is. Right. And then um, part of it is palate, too. Um, I've drank a lot of craft beer. I've thought about it. I've done some brewing. I've done, you know, some, some tasting panels. And that's kind of a muscle. The more you use it, the more in tune you get. And that's not, that doesn't mean, you know, novices can't enjoy Hellas. They right. most definitely can. But I think I just, over time, understood more and realized some more of the nuance. To me, that's that's almost the beauty of a lighter lager beer like this. That you know, if you're if you're not a craft beer drinker, if you have you don't have a palate that's in tune, or how you know, uh, you can you can just drink this, and it's a good beer, and it, it goes down easy, and it tastes familiar, but um, still better, but familiar. Uh, and then as you do kind of dig in a little deeper, there's all these other layers that you start to uncover as a beer drinker. Yeah. Uh, whereas macro quote unquote lager that doesn't exist you know once you drink it you got it <laughs> there's yeah. not a lot to uncover there i mean there, yeah. there there's a couple little things you can pick out and most of those aren't good things but um it is what it is yeah whereas uh, a good craft lager there's so much behind it and so much uh so many like i said so many layers to it that you start to uncover that uh um that are just in the beer and that's not even touching on the history side of it of, of what it means to um a city or to an industry or to uh to just beer in general yep um it's a uh, it's something that's special that i think uh, once you kind of start digging in you 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 fall in love with um it's it's strange because so many of us when we started drinking craft beer a big part of what we were doing was turning our back on what what was already out there which was lager macro lager yeah. so like to come back to it is is hard for some people and i think confusing for some people because they were um so in tune with kind of the culture of that of of you know you know stone put it best of you know we we don't make fizzy yellow beer although yeah. they do now shout out to stone for <laughs> not sticking to their guns yeah. <laughs> no you're right part of our mission here is um you know even if it's just a couple people who maybe they're walking out on a limb and want to get adventurous, even if it's two people who come in and enjoy Lagerfest and we change their perception and they learn something, that will be a win for us. Right. That, that's that's part of what we're doing. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what's made the whole craft beer industry fun and worthwhile. Um, Should be. Yeah, yeah. Because it is still fun, everybody. I know there are some people out there that are kind of fed up with some of the things that are happening and some of the other crap. But and they're jaded. Yeah, it's, it's still fun. Like you just, if you can get away from that, you know, quit putting Snickers bars in your beer and just sit down for a minute and drink a beer. Uh, it's beer is the same thing that it's always been. You just have to, you know, kind of 
find it or or make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um let's uh shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about uh the, the culture of craft beer in Cincinnati or beyond and kind of how how lager fits into that now versus before. Um maybe maybe covid plays into that or the the pandemic in general and us being separated from each other for so long and um still in a lot of ways people kind of being um uh, separate versus you know communal um i think i think somehow that plays into this this uh the shift in the uh, culture of what beer means to people mm-hmm. um and i i think that lager plays into that in a in a big way um uh, there's got to be a question in there. <laughs> how how do you think that uh, that lager beer in general kind of factors into where uh, the culture of drinking is going? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, a, mi- it's a very big question. No, no, no. It's it's cool, <laughs> and and I promise I'm not just on repeat here. It's it's a it's a category of beer, particularly in America, despite the coincidence that. Domestic homogenous lager is still number one. The craft beer community um, is has misunderstandings and underappreciates lager. Now that's a big broad statement there, but generally I, I I think it's true. IPA is still king, as we mentioned. We we both still love and enjoy IPA. Um, but as far as where where the craft beer community as a whole is going, I think. I mean, you can ask the Brewers Association, they'll tell you there's, there's tailwinds for lager for sure. Um, hazy New England IPAs are, are still raging. Um, as far as how, you know, I would like to think that e- even though there's lagers that are big and boozy, I would like to think that maybe this um, trend of lager, this slow trend of lager, means people are spending more time in tap rooms um, and they're able to drink, you know, maybe one more, one more, two more pints because if they're drinking something like Hellas, it's somewhere around 5% and it's not seven plus. Right. Um, so maybe that changes behavior. Maybe people drinking more lager changes um, consumers' uh, behavior. Um, I don't know if that answers your question directly, but you know, I mean, it, it does. I think that like as 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 beer has grown, it's become uh, in a lot of ways more more mainstream, which which I think brings in a lot of different types of people that are drinking for lots of various reasons, and some of that is. Uh, because people want to sit down, uh, you know, over a table or over a bar and talk to somebody and 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 have that uh, that that connection. And beer yep. beer is the the facilitator of that. Um, there are those people though that I think, as craft beer has grown, that are get into it because hey, I can I can keep drinking my my Budweiser, which is six percent or whatever Budweiser is, mm-hmm. um, or I can go and I can sit down and I can have you know this double IPA, which is uh, you know. It, eight, nine percent and gets me where I want to be a little bit quicker. And I think that that is a big, way bigger than we care to admit segment of people that drink craft beer that are doing it because of efficiency, uh, <laughs> efficiency, <laughs> the end result <laughs> yeah. and uh, uh, lager. And that's, that's not, you know, counting some of the, the bigger loggers that are out there, which as we talked on, there is a huge diversity of what lager means, but right. 
overall, blogger is not about getting somewhere. It's it's about being somewhere. It's about mm-hmm. you know it's about that that interaction. It's about that sitting there. It's about drinking. It's about you know if you you, you want to figure out the beer, you have to focus on it because yeah. it, it it's very easy to overlook it. Yeah. And so I think that the the, the culture of of drinking lager beer is very different than the culture of drinking um, craft beer in general has been for a long time, and I. I think that's important to where where I want this industry to go. Um, personally, and that's you know not that I have any uh, say in where the, the industry goes, but um, I think that 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 culture of of drinking to me uh, is is very different than um, the place that drinking can sometimes get you. Yeah, no, I agree one hundred and ten percent. And, you know, one thing I, I think a lot about, especially when I walk into a crowded brewery tap room, was where were, where were all these people hanging out 20 years ago, right. 15 years ago? In a lot of ways, and maybe this is me being romantic or being optimistic, but in a lot of ways, I like to think that craft beer has changed behaviors. I mean, regardless of the quality of the liquid in the glass local brewery typically the tap room brings the community in sure and probably more than half of the experience of drinking is is who you do it with it's it's a social thing part of the magic part of the energy part of the experience is the people you're with um now i love beer and on a friday night you know after my wife and i put our little baby down she might fall asleep before me and I might open whatever's in my fridge and enjoy it. Right. And it's still fun to do it that way. But, um, drinking is, is as much about the beer as it is, is the people is the environment. It's, it's situational. I mean, my, if you, if I sat down and put together a list of, you know, like, you know, say my 10 favorite experiences, drinking beer, like it's, it's never really about the beer. Yeah. Uh, it's about this other stuff. Uh, yeah. You've you've been there for some of my favorite drinking experiences in this building. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, like it, yeah, some of those some of those times, it's it's not even. Like, I don't know what I was drinking then. Like I don't yeah. know what the beer was, but yeah. it was about this other stuff that was happening around that. And um, uh, I I don't know if if lager beer makes that easier, <laughs> but, but it definitely to me. Uh, it feels like it does. It feels like it, it facilitates uh, experience more than um, <laughs> this is. No, no, no I'm no, going no. to get an email about this because <laughs> uh, it's, it's incredibly silly to say that lager beer makes experiences better than ales do. <laughs> but for some reason, uh, there's something about it. And, and maybe like you said, it's the romanticism of it, the, the history behind it, the uh, um, that, that, that. Without a doubt, look at the German beer, beer hall culture. I think you're onto something for sure. I, I mean, I just don't know why. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't figure out why that is. Yeah, I don't know if it's just the uh, the again quote unquote drinkability of it. If it's the lower ABV. If mm-hmm. it's the, uh, I don't. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it takes a certain level of skill and patience to brew a good lager. Sure. So there, there are you know, and <laughs> again, our disclaimer: we love ale. And there's certainly great ales that can drink similar to this Hellas here right. that are sessionable and approachable and non-offensive and easy to drink. Um, 
there is a certain little bit of of uh, magic dust with loggers, right? Yeah, and I don't know if it's the like in, the inherent like uh, inefficiency of making a logger that you have to age it and you have to, uh, you know, especially when you start talking about some of the uh, the more you know traditional German practices, which I don't oh, yeah. I don't know that you guys do all of that kind of the way some of these other places do, you know, Sonder with a decoction and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like it, some of it's a little a little crazy. Yeah, but that's kind of the magic behind it too. Absolutely, like it's uh. I think that that might factor into it. Uh, the um, uh, again, uh, not that it's not that it's 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 wrong to make a beer the most efficient and cost effective way possible. But um, well, there's nothing efficient about uh, small craft breweries. That's that, that's that, true. That's why shouldn't, shouldn't that's be. why pints are six bucks. Yeah. Um, I, I'm tracking you, man. I. I agree. Uh, I just can't put my finger on like some kind of thing that makes it the way it is, but I I know that it's there, right? And like I know how it feels to sit, uh, to go outside, sit on the sit on the patio with a big pint of uh, beautiful Hellas Lager, and you sit there and you 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 just you hold it up to the light, and the sun comes through it, and like there's something <laughs> that just clicks, and it just feels different than doing that same thing with. Um, another beer style like it just it just feels different yeah yeah <laughs> we're getting very very uh, <laughs> uh let's uh let's shift gears cool uh let's talk about um uh, craft beer in general mm-hmm. um the industry has continued to change as i'm sure it will keep doing uh what are some of the things that uh, make you um, make you feel good about where craft beer is today uh, compared to when you guys opened a few years ago yeah. uh, uh, to maybe kind of where it's going. Hmm. I don't know if this, th- this doesn't necessarily directly uh, apply or speak to Northern row, but I swear coincidentally, I was thinking about this this morning. Some of the, you know, the OG beer guys, who started this long time ago, Jim Cook, yeah. Papazian, Grossman, and a whole slew of other people, right? And I was thinking about my career track. I graduated from UC, working at a craft beer bar, loved it, loved the service industry. I got a liberal arts degree, so I had to be pretty creative about, you know, right. and proactive about choosing a career. And I was like, man, I'm going to follow this. I'm going to work at a craft brewery. And um, look at all the jobs that have been created, all the <laughs> careers that have been started, all the pints that have been poured, and all the memories that have been created, and all the things people have learned about beer. Hellas is a great example. All these beer styles um, tied to them are, are culture and history. It's one of the reasons I love beer is you end up tying all these loose ends together and learning about seemingly disparate topics. Um, Yeah, you know, people, especially if you work in the industry, it's really easy to get, have some anxiety about what's, you know, what's happening. Are you tracking the trends? Um, You know, are, uh, 
is beer being eaten away by seltzer and wine and spirits. But in the end, we did it and we're doing it (laughs) and it's all going to be okay. And I'm, you get what I'm saying? I get it. So we, we talked a lot last week on the show with, uh, with Brett from urban kind of about, uh, the early days of, of their story, which is mm-hmm. very different styles of beer than what you guys are doing here. But, yeah. uh, I feel like he's one of those guys that would be very at home, uh, at a place like this because of, cool. of that, 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 that culture of it. But, um, we talked a lot about kind of that, that struggle of, you know, you get caught up in what your distributors telling you you're supposed to be making or what, uh, some Yahoo that wanders in off the street that's a great beer drinker that, that loves a certain type of beer that he tells you you need to be making this because that's what all of us drink. And then online they're telling you you're supposed to make this. And then, you know, this person tells you that this beer sucks because it's uh, it's light and yellow and fizzy and that's not what we drink. And yeah. like, there's just so many voices telling you what is the right way to do something. And it's hard to kind of shut all that off and, and put the blinders on and do what you know is the right way to do things yeah. for for you for the company for for the brewery for uh for the culture that it's building like it's that's a tough thing to do mm-hmm. especially now because yeah. there's so much noise and because there's so many different things and so many options for people that um you know seltzer is a real thing yeah it is <laughs> but uh, it doesn't mean that everybody needs to be sitting in a bar drinking seltzer no there are other options in fact i'm sure there's a significant portion of the population that drinks craft beer and drinks seltzer. Sure. I think it can be contextual. Um, but you're right. You, I think you nailed it. With more competition comes some more anxiety, some more questions. Um, some, maybe some brands get self-conscious. Uh, that's probably a good thing in some regards. Um, I, You know, especially here in, in the our culture, we typically don't shy away from, from challenge or hard work. It's just how it is. It it was inevitable. Um, and the reason we are, the industry is where it is, is because people love craft beer. I I think there are a lot of people that, that do shy away from the challenge. I think that there are the majority, I would say of craft breweries that exist are not doing things the way that in their heart they want to do things. They yeah. are kind of leaning in towards other stuff because somebody is telling them that that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. I get that we, um, and that doesn't mean that there isn't great stuff out there because there is, but I, I think that there are a lot of places that are not being true to who they are because of some other outside reason that they are afraid to kind of push past. And right. Um, that's when, when you see something like a logger festival, or you see somebody marketing a Hellas as their uh, their flagship and calling it a Hellas, and or you 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 know you see a brewery that is uh, focusing on sour fruited beer. You know, like mm-hmm. when you see some of these things, and it 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 just feels good, yeah. and it feels like somebody is actually um, uh, being true to to something else other than the market. <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> such a silly thing to say. And I know that <laughs> I get it guys. Um, uh, I I'm excited to see places like this, um, uh, being able to exist in Cincinnati because I don't know that this could have existed, uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. I, I don't think that people were ready for it. I don't think people understood it. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad that they do now. Yeah. Well, I mentioned it earlier. Um, 
you know, we'll, we'll see. We're young. Um, Lagerfest has, we're, we're stoked for it. We've gotten some interesting reactions and feedback. Um, all, even if it was negative, it's all good for us. We, we get that feedback. Um, and whether, whether people get it, whether it's Lagerfest or the beers we brew in general and why we do it, whether, whether they get it now or, you know, in five years from now when it really feels like it's gained, um, some traction we're it's just kind of what we're doing. Right. And we're willing because we believe in it. We're just willing to stick our necks out and be like, this is who we are. This is what we brew. Also, nothing's ever happened very fast here. It's <laughs> <laughs> an understatement. We're, we're, we're pretty patient. Um, including the beer, right? Right. (laughs) If we're brewing lager, you know, doesn't, it doesn't mature very fast. Um, Well, I I want people to understand too, that this is not like a, it's not a beer festival in the way that I think a lot of, a lot of craft beer drinkers expect a beer festival to be. It's not, uh, you show up and you, uh, run around and try to drink as many different beers as you can in a short period of time. And I guess that's not at all what this is about. Like you, you can, Lager, this is about showcasing the different sides of lager, the different sides of its personality, what it means, why it exists, why it's important to Cincinnati, and kind of just building that base for where 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 lager exists. And um, some people kind of some people get that, um, but I think uh, the majority of people are still uh, still finding their way there. But yeah, no, um, I appreciate you mentioning that. the The format is different. It's it's here in the tap room. All the beer being poured for Lagerfest is through our tap system. There's 16 of them. I don't think I've ever been to a beer fest where there's only 16 different beers. Right. <laughs> um, however, all of them, it's, it's a very intentional experience. And that's not taking a shot at some of the, you know, the regular format right. where there's tents and jockey boxes and 30 breweries and you know, 200 different beers or whatever it is. Those are fun. Those are great. They have their place. This is a little more intentional. We, we hope as I mentioned earlier, that people um, learn something about lager and uh, their eyes are opened a little bit. And maybe it's, wow, I didn't know a lager beer could look like right. a stout or be aged in, in a bourbon barrel or right. rye whiskey barrel. Um, and then the, the tour component we're really excited about. Uh, you, you have a chance to learn about Cincinnati you have a chance to learn about the process of beer making. Um, you have a chance to learn about how that process has changed over time. Why would people dig, hand dig tunnels, <laughs> uh, you know, 30 feet, 40 feet under the ground just to make beer? Um, well, they were brewing a t- particular type of beer, lager, which requires cold temperatures. Right. Um, yeah, man, we're, we're, we're excited. Uh, and you know, keep in mind, and this is this is kind of going into a little nerdy side of this, but when people were digging these tunnels to brew lager beer in Cincinnati, there were other options. Like they could just make an ale. Like that existed. It wasn't like lager, like to make beer, you had to dig this tunnel and had to do it this way. No. And there were like, breweries here making ales. Yeah, like you could just you could make a, a porter, and and people loved it. It was probably one of the more popular styles at the time, yeah. <laughs> and it didn't need to be kept cold. <laughs> Yeah. So there were like, there were these people that were doing things again, inefficiently and the way that, uh, that they knew was the right way to do it. 
um, even then. And I, you know, that is still carrying on and that makes me feel good about this industry. Uh, we definitely should mention, uh, Northern Rye is also a distillery. Uh, we don't have nearly enough time left on this episode to kind of dive into that as deeply as I would love to, but, um, this is, and uh, apologies to any other bars that are listening, this is my favorite place to go and sit down and have a Negroni. Um, it is one of my, my regular stops uh, at the end of the night to, to, to have a, a nightcap. Um, you guys have uh, a bunch of different spirits, some yeah. really crazy stuff that a lot of people aren't doing. That uh, uh, wet hop gin is mm -hmm. incredible. <laughs> I love it. It should be on everybody's bar. Um, it, how does that, this is way too big of a question, how does that kind of uh, play into um, the, 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 the bigger story of, of Northern Rome? Like I said, we're not afraid to try hard things <laughs> or take on challenges. Um, Dave Berger, one of our owners and founders, set out to create a distillery. And then interacting with the Ohio Distillers Guild, kind of formulating a business plan, he was told it's a good idea to to create a brewery as well. It's a good idea to have something that also makes money. Exactly. <laughs> while you're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're making whiskeys, you're, for all intents and purposes, you're making a beer before the distillation sure. process. Um, so Dave's original vision was distillery, which morphed into brewing, you know, even before anyone was, anybody on our team was hired. Um, so it started there. We are, we don't have a lot of particular focuses. Again, as we're a brewery, a distillery, we focus on lager. We also brew ales. Um, I would say on a weekly basis, we're making whiskey, which of course almost no one's tried right. because <laughs> it goes into barrels um, and, and ages. Um, but in the meantime, we've made a bunch of fun stuff and had some success with. So we make a vodka. We make a pepper vodka, which isn't what people expect. It includes jalapeno, habanero, uh, serrano, and ancho chilies. And it's, it's really nice. It's really fun. Had a lot of fun times with uh, our accounts and clients creating cocktails with that one. Um, we've won awards for it. We won awards for our column still rum. Uh, we do a coconut rum and we do four different gins, a London dry, um, a regular botanical kind of like contemporary right. botanical gin, the fresh hop gin, which you mentioned and a winter gin. We do a peach brandy and our oldest bourbon will be four years old in the fall. That's exciting. Yeah. So we don't have a target date. Uh, we're being patient. We taste a couple times a year, and when we feel like she's ready and we're proud of it, we'll we'll bottle up and release some whiskey. Oh, that'll be exciting. Yeah, it's because I mean, when when this whole idea came together, you didn't have other distilleries around doing that kind of thing, and there there are now. <laughs> um, but it's fun as some of these distilleries open up and places kind of start to explore this idea, watching how they how they form their personality around it. and mm -hmm. they are very distinct personalities still which uh is uh, in a, you know with a, with a brewery it's such a um you know you open your doors and then you kind of evolve with a distillery there yeah. is so much time before you can get those 
products, especially talking about whiskey. I mean, sure. you know, it's different if you're talking about vodka, but um, the process of getting that that product into people's hands is very different than beer. And yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, it, the, the personality of places has to be way more kind of deliberate, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, if any of that makes sense. No, it does. Uh, it, honestly, it, it's been somewhat of a hard equation to solve of how do we stay cohesive with a brewery and distillery? Our distillery brands called Five Stories, um, which differentiates itself from Northern Row. I mean, most, a lot of people know Northern Row as, as a brewery, right. um, but we thought it was important. We didn't want to get too redundant. We didn't want to have, you know, Northern Row lineup of beers and then Northern Row lineup of spirits they're similar worlds, similar industries, but in a lot of ways, very distinct sure. industries. Um, and that decision has has advantages and disadvantages. Um, Five Stories as a brand, as a name, doesn't have near the recognition as Northern Row, but it's one of those things we just chip away at. Um, right. Our sales team, I'm, which I'm part of, we go we go out and visit counts around the city and um, kind of tell them the story and are pretty intentional about um, working with, with clients and accounts and doing cocktail features. And well, again, like that, that way people consume beer versus consuming spirits are very different types of, uh, different types of, of, of processes, you know, yep. like it's, you know, uh, a beer is very much about the tap room. It's about that community, about that experience of drinking the beer. I don't know if that's the same for spirits. Uh, spirits are, are more, uh, um, uh, you, you you definitely get those people that love going to a cocktail bar. But that's about the cocktail. Like it's not necessarily about what's going into the cocktail. And then when you talk about people at home drinking, uh, big spirits still rule the world. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's it's a very strange difference between beer and spirits in the, those two industries. Um, Absolutely, that's a a tough kind of uh, ladder to climb or a tough battle to to battle yeah yeah we just keep we stay persistent and just keep chipping away at it and um you know i think one day it'll, it'll kind of like make sense to the consumer they'll they'll draw the connection but but you're right it, it's something we talk about a lot the of the people who really like gin how many people go to party source and browse the shelves and be like hmm i think i'm gonna <laughs> take this one home right beer is way more transitory the commitment to a six pack is way less than a commitment right. to a bottle. Um, now whiskey in this region in bourbon, that's different. Right. People are a little more experimental. Um, you, you know, you can pull a bottle off the shelf and try it at home with your buddies the same way we, we drink beer with, with, with our buddies who, there's also a lot of bars focused on that where you can go and you can sit down and you can get a flight of different whiskeys. Sure. Uh, that doesn't exist with gin. If you yeah. go to order a flight of gin, people are going to look at you weird. Like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> you that, know, but, yeah, and it's but, starting to change slowly. There's there's a couple of spots here in town. Um, dang, who is it? Who's over in uh, Walnut Hills uh, Branch Restaurant? The bar, the bar, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Night Drop. Yeah, yeah. Their gin bar. That's awesome. They're doing a great job. Um, there's a couple more popping up, which is cool. So 
your point's well taken though. It, it's two very distinct industries with different behaviors, different expectations. It also does kind of factor in the, uh, the typical size of packaging for uh, a spirit is uh, much much bigger and a little more expensive than you know grabbing a six pack of beer to split with people. It's it is, it's more of an investment as a drinker. Um, that's why we need to uh, normalize the little smaller bottles of beers. <laughs> yeah. I love them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, uh, thank you. I you Dude, know is, you. is there anything else you want people to know about uh, Lagerfest or Lager in general or Northern Row that you think we didn't cover? Uh, yeah, I'll throw a few things in there, but yeah. Um, Thank you, man. Of course. I appreciate you coming in and giving us the opportunity. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Northern Row is here in OTR. We are neighbors with a small upstart brewery named Rheingeist, if you've ever heard of them. Um, I've heard they exist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're on West McMicken. As we stated, we're a brewery and distillery. We also offer food. Around the corner from a streetcar stop, too. Around the corner from the streetcar. Come see us if you haven't been in. We'd love to have you. Lagerfest happens June 11th. Um, jump on our socials. You'll find an event, Eventbrite link for tickets. I'll put a link in the show notes too, but depending on when you're listening to this, it may be over. So if you, if you missed it, pay attention to social media for next year. <laughs> on the distillation side, actually, there's a fun local event going on the end of this month at Kerrigan. Oh, yeah. It is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up the official title, but it's kind of sponsored by the Ohio Distillers Guild. And it, there's a bottle release. It's a collaboration between us. Our, so Five Story Spirits, Carrikin, Whetstone Distillery. If I got their name right, I think it's Whetstone Distillery here. In, or Stone Creek. Stone Creek. Stone Creek. I'm sorry. Stone Creek. Oldest distillery in Ohio. Yes. And Brain Brew in Newtown. So we mixed up some of our juice together for a collaborative bottle. That'll be on sale at Carrikin. Um, and they, they also did something pretty cool. The Ohio Liquor Division is doing like a pop-up store. So all the participating distilleries, you can go there the day of the event and walk away with some bottles. By That's cool. Bottles. So yeah. you, can, you can go and you can try some stuff and then if there's something you love, you can take it home with you. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah. fun. Uh, so, I mean, I, I assume that there is a good chunk of people that listen to this show that are also into their, their whiskey. So Yeah, <laughs> I, I, for sure. I feel like they're just calling it like... Whiskey Fest or something. I feel like it's yeah, something like Yeah, I think like you're that. right. Ohio Ohio Whiskey Festival. There, something there, very similar. There is a post written about it somewhere on uh, the website. So go to the gnarlygnome.com, uh, scroll down to where we talk about booze. And uh, there should be a recent article that kind of gives you all the details and, and that. Um, but come here. Come come here and drink some beer. Like That's what this episode is about. It's about drinking lager beer. Uh, if, you, right. if you miss out on Lagerfest, don't worry. You can still come here and still get uh, a couple really great lagers. They always keep a few on, uh, including a uh, side pool tap, yeah. which is something that uh, not enough places are doing um, and really, really changes it. And we could, we could do another 20 minutes just talking about how, how much that changes a beer. But um, we won't because my wife will kill me because I'm <laughs> supposed to get home. Uh, thank you very much. Hey, thank you, man. Um, if, if anybody hasn't been here, get here. Um, if you have been here, uh, come back <laughs> because it's uh, it's still just as awesome as it was the last time you were here. Uh, special thank you to Truth Beer Podsequences. It is the only podcast that I know of that just sits around and talks about Cincinnati Beer Podcasts, and they are sponsoring this week's episode. So um, find them on whatever platform you listen to podcasts and subscribe because uh, 
they talk about me. <laughs> Sensi Brewcast, it's the voice of Sensi Craft. <laughs>